Please join with me as I open with our prayer of illumination. Everlasting God, you never fail to help your people. Throughout history, we see you acting in love towards your children. When they cry out to you, you hear and respond. When they fail and turn away from you, you do not turn your back on them. In this time of trouble, give us steadfast mind and fill us with peace as we put my, our trust in you. With you, we will not crumble like a house built on sand, but will stand firm with our feet on you, the everlasting rock. So as we are gathered here today in these troubled times, we ask you, our living God, to shower onto us your wisdom and knowledge. We pray that as we listen to your word, we will have the ability to see clearly what God has called us to do. We seek to live to fulfill your purposes so that we can see your kingdom, illuminate our eyes, and reveal to us your glory. Amen. The first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 3 to 10. Please listen to the word of the Lord. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful of fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water, water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water, the haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Those of us who live in the 21st century often have a difficult time understanding the struggle that went on in the first century church as the church opened its doors to non-Jews. However, in today's scripture lesson from the seventh chapter of the gospel according to Mark, we get a whiff of the tension that existed there. Mark chapter seven contains three different scenes telling three different stories of Jesus. The first of these is a set to that Jesus has with the religious leaders of that day. And they are very concerned about following the traditions of their faith, particularly those practices that have to do with the koshering of their kitchens and their food. Jesus does not hesitate to challenge them in this, saying, it really doesn't matter what comes into your body, but rather it's what is in your heart. That story is followed up in Mark chapter 7 with the two stories that are a part of today's scripture lesson that the lectionary gives us for this particular day. The first of those is an encounter that Jesus has with a woman who is not Jewish. She is a Gentile. And the second story is the healing of the man who is deaf that Dan has shared with the children that takes place in Gentile territory. Now, when Mark was putting together his gospel, he didn't just sit down one day with his quill poised over his parchment and just whatever random story about Jesus popped into his head, he wrote it down. He was very prayerful and intentional as he brought this story together, and it's intentional that he brings these these three stories together because what he is doing is offering to the church a mandate. It is a mandate to move away from the practices, inclusive, very, very strict interpretations that are associated with their traditional Judaism and to open up the church to be inclusive of all people. And so with that in mind, then, let us listen for God's word to us today from the seventh chapter of Mark, beginning with verse 24. From there, he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet, he could not escape notice. But a a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him. And she came and she bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demons out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon toward the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech. 
and they begged him to lay his hand on him. They took him as, he took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of the sermon today is Be Opened. Be Opened. This week, we Americans observe the 20th anniversary of the terrible events of September 11th, 2001. Now, if you were to ask any person who was older than very early childhood on that day where you were and what you were doing when you heard the news of what had happened that day, or perhaps even for some of you, perhaps you even personally witnessed some of this from up close if you were in New York City or Washington, D.C. Or, or Pennsylvania. If you were to ask us, then we would be able to tell you exactly what we were doing and where we were. As for me, on that Tuesday morning, I was the pastor at University Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, and we had scheduled a class to begin meeting that morning, our Soul Center class was entitled The Spirituality of Gardening, and it was being led by a retired pastor, master gardener, and a retired military hospital administrator, master gardener, both of whom were a part of our congregation. And so as the news came in, we were faced with a dilemma, a choice. Should we go ahead with holding the class or should we cancel it? We decided to go ahead and hold the class. I uh, led in a very impromptu and brief worship service, just reading some scripture and offering some prayer, and then the class proceeded. And now, from this vantage point of 20 years later, it seems to me a good and gracious thing that the 20 or so people who were in the class that day remember alongside those awful events that they were also witness to a class that gave witness to God's good creation on that day when it seemed as if evil might have the last word. Well, today, it's been 20 years, believe it or not, and we find ourselves in a chaotic, a troubling time. And it seems to me that these passages of scripture that the lectionary gives us for today offer us 
an entree into that goodness and graciousness of God, even when it seems that there is evil all around us. The first of these two stories that we have read today as as today's gospel lesson, the encounter of Jesus with the Syrophoenician woman, she's called here in Mark. She's called in the gospel according to Matthew, the Canaanite woman, but it's basically the same story with just a few different details. I would have to say that is my favorite story about Jesus in all of the Bible. The reason that I say that is that when I read it, it pierces my heart. And it pierces my heart particularly because in this story, Jesus is not the man with all the answers. He is not a person who knows it all. He's a person who has something to learn. He has just come from a set to with religious leaders. And he has not hesitated to to say to them, giving the essence of Torah, that it is what is inside a person that is most important. Not that outward practice of religion. And then he turns around and there is this Gentile woman. This woman knows nothing about, cares nothing about the purity of her pots and her pans and her grocery cart. She's a tiger mom whose daughter is very, very sick. And so she does not hesitate to approach Jesus despite the differences between them. And she says to him, essentially, I heard what you said to those religious leaders over there. I heard what you said. Now I'm asking you to practice what you were preaching. And Jesus responds to her, and he says, you know, I came for the children of Israel, not for the dogs. And believe me, calling a woman a dog back in the first century, that was no more complimentary in that day than it would be in this day. And the woman comes back at Jesus. She gets in his personal space. She jabs his finger into the folds of his robe. And she says, well, I may be a Gentile dog, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. And here is the amazing thing. Jesus listens to her. He listens to her, and he learns something, and he heals her daughter. And it would not be too much to say that, at least in the eyes of Mark, the gospel writer, 
This marks a pivotal turn in Jesus' ministry. That in some ways, this woman and what she says and this encounter with Jesus transforms his ministry so that it becomes even more open and more inclusive of all. Now, you know, sometimes I'll be in a conversation with someone and they will make reference to Jesus who is perfect. And generally, I don't challenge that because most of the time when that comes up, it is said rather in a rather casual, offhanded kind of way that everybody agrees with. And it's not the specific focus of the conversation. And so I don't generally challenge it in those contexts. But, you know, when I hear somebody say something about Jesus' perfection, what I'm feeling inside is, well, where is the grace in that? To be asked to follow somebody as perfect, that doesn't feel like grace to me. That feels oppressive. But to be invited to follow and to walk in the way of someone who is open and who listens and who is willing to change, to me, that is stunning. And that offers an alluring alternative to me. For it holds out the promise that God has the power to reach into my closed-offness, my defensiveness, my desire to keep things the way that they are and never change, my desire to do things my own way, that God is able to reach into that and to heal. And then when Jesus turns from that woman to the man who was having a hard time hearing, and he actually says, Ephratha, be opened. I'm moved a little further down that road toward healing and toward that truth that God has the power to reach into each life, each life of each of us and our life as a whole church and to move us toward that vision that is articulated so poetically and beautifully by the prophet in Isaiah 35 that Bob read, that God will create a highway and that no traveler will go astray and the ransomed will be returned and there will be joy, there will be gladness and sorrow and sighing will all flee away. Now this is the point where I circle back to where I started in this sermon. To this 20th anniversary of the events of September 11th. 
and how I sense that the Holy Spirit might be speaking to us in this, our own day, through these words of Scripture. Um, A little less than um, two weeks ago was my birthday, and a member of the church kindly invited me to lunch and treated me. And there we were, enjoying a few bites of coconut cake. Uh, It was my birthday, after all. And uh, so we were finishing up, and this person, a member of the church, said to me, you know, surely there are going to be some Afghan refugees who will be coming to Charleston. Our church has resettled refugees in the past. And we need to be looking into doing that now. I saw in the news from Friday that the Secretary of Homeland Security has stated that there will be 50,000 Afghan refugees coming to the states. And I did just a little bit of research, not much, and I learned that Lutheran Services of, of the Carolinas has committed to resettling 150 people once they have been screened and cleared to come to the states. And so I can't help, it's just this thought in my mind, I can't help but think that perhaps the Holy Spirit is whispering to us right here at Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church. Be opened. Be open to our siblings who are Afghan. Be open to listening. Be open to learning. Be open to receiving them. Be open to perhaps partnering partnering with other churches in our community that we might become closer to each other as we together reach out and help to enable individuals and families begin new lives here in this community. Now, I happen to know that uh, by mentioning something that's a possible mission effort, that I'm uh, veering a little bit out of my MPPC assigned lane as parish associate. (laughs) That is Bart's lane. (laughs) He's he's in a lot of lanes these days, but that's... That was his assigned lane. <laughs> and, uh, but he, he said, go ahead and mention it. That's okay. And um, I also yesterday emailed Elizabeth Amory, who is our session member, who is chairing our missions committee. And uh, while I knew that she worked for the State Department, what I did not know until I emailed her is that right now her day job is to back up um, her colleagues in the State Department who are um, administering what is called Operation Allies Welcome. 
Maybe it's a God thing. It's just a thought that I can't seem to shake. And who is to say? Perhaps it is even a whisper from the Holy Spirit saying to us, Ephatha, be opened.